a special welcome to Caribbean Bridges. I'm Julian Rogers. I'm in Kingston, Jamaica. And as you can see, I'm at home just relaxing on a Saturday afternoon. And uh, what, do I, what, what would I want to do on a Saturday afternoon other than really welcome all my friends and new friends particularly who join us on Caribbean Bridges. Now, this time, I think I have something special for you. And it's because I've wanted to do something for a very, very long time. And that is talk to somebody about the Federation. At a time when we're talking so much about the operation of CARICOM and the CARICOM single market and economy, I thought it would be interesting for us to look back at when we were so-called one Caribbean under the West Indies Federation. It is something I've wanted to do for a very, very long time as a journalist, and I never had the chance to do it. And I knew exactly the right person I wanted to talk to about it. And it's kind of like dodge me. You know, I've been in Trinidad. I've been in Tobago where he is. And, uh, well, there's a long story. But it's a friendship that goes back to the 1990s when I first went to Trinidad to work. And I met him as he hosted the morning show on Prime Radio, which I was the general manager. And he was working with two other people at the Trinidad Hilton. Can you believe that? Every morning, Monday to Friday, doing the Breakfast Club. I would eventually uh, take over doing the Breakfast Club and he would go off happily back to the Bago or wherever he would come from uh, every week. And so, notwithstanding everything that's happened between the 1990s and now this period, I've retained a friendship with a man called Reginald Dumas. Now, for those of you who don't know him, let me tell you, a bit about him at the risk of embarrassing him on the show today. First of all, he was in the federal government. First, first, yes, back in 1958 as a cadet, like a trainee foreign service officer, but he'll talk more about that. But he's gone on to be, note this, all the way through the civil service of Trinidad and Tobago to be head of that civil service. And then, to serve as Trinidad and Tobago's ambassador to many parts of the world, the United States, the United Nations, several African countries, etc. And if that was not enough, in retirement, Reginald Dumas has also been appointed by then Secretary General of the United Nations, Kofi Annan, as a special rapporteur to Haiti. So that will tell you that Reggie is fluent in French, he's fluent in English, and he's fluent in Tobago. And so I'm very happy to welcome him. He's agreed to talk to me. And I said, Reggie, we're going to talk for a couple hours if you know the two of us getting together. Reginald Dumas is at his home in Tobago, and he joins us. Reggie, welcome. Thank you very much, Julian. Thank you. Good to see you. Good when to you see you, too. So much, you, you are the one who should write about bridges in the Caribbean, you know. <laughs> you can everywhere. You know. Barbados, Guyana, Antigua, <laughs> Trinidad and Tobago, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're the expert. Yes. You're, you're, say, you're saying something that everybody tells me from time to time, every time I start there talking. You are, there you are. <laughs> they, say, they say, you, Julian, you have to write a book. But I maybe, I, I, I'm, I, I started, I have to tell you, I did the first chapter. And then my editor, who was my daughter in London, looked at the first chapter and says, Dad, you need to do some work. 
and she's an editor of, of, of great repute. So I know I got work to do. But talking to you in the past week, I said, you know something? What we should do is convert this conversation into a book. Because, hey, we expect to get some gems out of this conversation. So let's, let's get on the way, first of all. So now that all of you understand who and why I want to talk about Federation, let me ask, let me ask Reggie, first of all, about getting into the federal civil service. Where were you when the Federation was starting up? Well, I was still at university in England. I was at Cambridge, and I was still there when the Federation started. That was in early, very early 1958. And um, I wrote to the federal government uh, to apply for a job as administrative cadet. I mean, this is the bottom of the administrative ladder. You can't go lower than that. Um, I also, at the same time, wrote the Trinidad and Tobago government. So I wanted to come back home. It is true that I had a scholarship which allowed me at the end of the period I spent at university to go anywhere. Mm. I didn't have to come back home. And a number of uh, people who won scholarships from the Caribbean did not come back. I mean, they went, a number went off to, to Africa, to Ghana, and went to teach there and so on. Um, but I said, no, 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 let me come back to uh, the Caribbean because, you know, especially with this new venture starting, moving towards independence, and a number of us West Indians at Cambridge, actually there were about, if I recall rightly, there were about 50 West Indians at Cambridge, mostly from Jamaica and Barbados, Trinidad and Tobago. There were a few from Guyana, uh, there was someone from the Bahamas, so uh, someone from the Eastern Caribbean, but basically from uh, those first three. And we were all very fired up by the thought of uh, West Indian independence. And so I wanted to come back to the Caribbean to participate in this uh, new approach to political life, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So I wrote, but I also, as I say, wrote to the Trinidad and Tobago government. The Trinidad and Tobago government responded very quickly to tell me no. No. <laughs> now, here was I, a Trinidad and Tobago scholar, applying to work in the Trinidad and Tobago government, which I did not have to do, but uh, I did. And I am told by my own government, the government that paid for me to go to, to, to Cambridge, no. Uh, there are no vacancies. This is for a post of administrative cadet, you understand. Yeah. The Trinidad and Tobago government said, fine. I mean, federal government wrote back and said, okay. So I joined, I, I wrote back and accepted. So uh, you were in, so you were in, you're in, you're in England, and I'm curious as to how long it took for you to come back to Trinidad and so on. I was in England um, and I spent oh, very nearly four years there now because I finished my degree and then I was doing some postgraduate work at Cambridge. Um, and uh, then I said, well, you know, time, time to go home. So what did one do? I wrote to a friend of mine, uh, an older man uh, whom I knew in Trinidad and Tobago to tell him, look, here am I, a Trinidad and Tobago scholar who would apply to join the Trinidad and Tobago government, and he's told no. 
And he went to Eric Williams. We weren't independent yet. He went to, he went to well, of course, Eric Williams then was the, was the premier of, 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 of Trinidad and Tobago at the time. And uh, I mean, I had a, a sneak preview, of course, of, uh, of, of what Reggie went through at that particular time as he talked about the, 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 the difference between the response he got from the Trinidad government of the day and that of the federal government. So Reggie, we lost you there for a second. Yes, yes. The, 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 I noticed the microphone cut off. I don't know why. Yes. Technology, my dear fellow. Technology. <laughs> <laughs> so you said that you had a friend who approached the premier at the time. He, uh, he approached uh, the chief minister. He was still chief minister. Okay. And the next thing, I get a letter saying, "Yes, come into the Trinidad Tobago government." By which time I had already accepted the offer from the federal government, um, and which paid a little bit more, not too much more. Um, and uh, so I went to the uh, federal government, came back, went to the federal government, which, as you know, collapsed a few years later. But I'm curious as to, first of all, I asked you how long it would have taken you to get back from England to, to Trinidad at that time. By boat, um, between 10 days and two weeks. You traveled by boat, eh? Yes. Uh, you, no, there was no, no, no British Airways, so, <laughs> or Caribbean Airlines or anything like that at the time. Um, you traveled by boat and you stopped off in a number of places uh, along the way. Uh, and it took uh, between 10 days and two weeks. Okay. Now, you come home and you're in the federal government as a as a cadet, as you said, administrative cadet, who did you work for? Who was your boss? Which department, etc.? I was in the ministry, I think they call it, um, you, you, you're forcing me back uh, many years now, 60 years. <laughs> <laughs> My memory is not uh, <laughs> what it used to be. Um, yes. But it was the Ministry of Labor and Social Affairs. And the minister was a lady from uh, Dominica called Phyllis Alfrey. Phyllis was the only white minister. All the others were non-white. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not sure she was ever too, too comfortable um, in the... She was a very nice person. I mean, I don't mean to suggest in any way that uh, she had any racial difficulties. But um, uh, I, I'm not sure how comfortable she was in this kind of milieu with, with, with which she was not entirely familiar. But she was a very um, conscientious minister, worked hard, and um, how well she did uh, is another matter because then you, ask, you have to ask yourself, how well did any of the ministers do in those circumstances? Because there was a lot of toing and froing and pulling and tugging, etc., etc., in the Federation, which um, led eventually to its collapse ironically collapsing officially on the very day that had been suggested for independence 
Yes. Well, we're. I can. I can almost put in a word or two there, as far as uh, the connection is concerned. Uh, we have dropped out uh, in the connection from Tobago. Well, yeah. I, I have to tell you that it happens to the best of media systems. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. This Zoom technology has has to be improved. I think. Yes. You can hear me now. I think. Yes, we got you back. Right. Um, so there were a lot of difficulties, uh, they, they, which caused the federation to, to Yes, it was a good idea in principle that all of us of the English-speaking Caribbean, Guyana, by the way, or British Guyana as it then was, was not included, hmm. um, was not a member of the federation. It was uh, uh, Trinidad, Tobago, Barbados, Jamaica, and the smaller islands, you know, Grenada, and kids, etc., etc. Um, but there was a lot of toing and froing, pulling and tugging, and um, you had essentially a situation between Norman Manley in Jamaica and Eric Williams in Trinidad and Tobago. Williams wanted a strong central government. Uh, Manley wanted exactly the opposite. He didn't want uh, too strong a thing. He wanted a, a fairly loose federation. Um, they never saw eye to eye on that particular matter. And then there were other things as well. Um, who had um, the question of freedom of movement. Now, where the Eastern Caribbean was concerned, there was a feeling that if you had freedom of movement, a lot of people would come in from the smaller islands into Trinidad and Tobago, which had been going on for many years. I mean, the first set of Grenadians really came to, uh, people from Grenada came uh, to Trinidad in the 1780s, uh, when Trinidad, not Tobago, Trinidad was still a Spanish colony. Mm -hmm. And um, the Spanish government, the Spanish crown, um, gave permission to a Frenchman who was a planter in Grenada to come in to bring his slaves in to develop Trinidad, which was highly undeveloped at the time. Um, to work on to start sugar plantations in particular. Um, and that was the first real influx of uh, people into Trinidad from other islands, in this case, Grenada. And that had been going on all along. Uh, so what a lot of people in the Eastern Caribbean were thinking were, well, look, Trinidad is a place we always go to. If you have a federation, you have freedom of movement, we are going to flock into Trinidad, you know, I mean, and, uh, uh, and uh, uh, try to help in the development of Trinidad. Um, the oil industry, there was not too much gas at, at the time. Black gas was not really uh, considered at the time. It was oil and sugar, a little bit of cocoa. And Williams uh, was saying, no, 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 that, that can't work. I mean, if we're going to have freedom of movement, there has to be um, a strong socioeconomic development base first before that can happen, which caused problems again between Trinidad and Tobago on the one hand and uh, some of the small islands on the other. There was also the issue of um, how both Manly and William saw the federal prime minister, who was Grantley Adams. Right. Um, and it was felt that Adams, uh, and, and one could understand that, Adams was past his best at that time. He had been 
Premier of Barbados, he had given that up in order to come to be the federal prime minister. Mm -hmm. But he he lacked um, energy um, at that time. He fought hard um, in, in Barbados for political advancement, and he had achieved quite a bit in Barbados. But where the Caribbean was concerned, he seemed somewhat out of his depth. Mm. And there was a particular difficulty between him and Williams over the issue of Chagaramas, which is the sort of northwestern peninsula, as you know, of, 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 of Trinidad. Because That's where the U.S. base was. Right, exactly. Uh, that um, peninsula had been leased to the Americans during the Second World War by the British for a period of 99 years. And William saw this as uh, the sort of cornerstone of the nationalist movement in Trinidad and Tobago to get Chagaramas back. Um, and um, he fought hard for this, and finally, finally succeeded actually, because um, the lease was terminated after a certain point, and uh, Shagaramas was returned to Trinidad and Tobago. But Williams felt that Adams was lukewarm on this issue, and that perhaps he was favoring the Americans mm -hmm. and the British as opposed to Trinidad and Tobago. Now, whether Adams was doing that or not, I don't know. Um, but Williams, that is what Williams felt. And he used to attack Adams publicly. Going to Woodford Square, you know Woodford Square in Port of Spain. The University of Woodford Square, as it, uh, yeah. as it became known, um, to attack. Um, and there were other little niggling um, issues. Uh, there was, and Adams did something that he ought not to have done at a certain point, which again put um, both Manley and Williams even more firmly against him, which was that he announced, for reasons best known to himself, that the federal government had the power to apply taxation to the various units of the federation retroactively. Now, this was, nobody likes taxation to begin with. <laughs> but when you're saying, I'm going to tax you retroactively, <laughs> you're causing problems for yourself. Yes. That is trouble. And, yes, that's, that's, that's trouble. And of course, um, Manley went to town on him, and Bustamante as well, um, in, in Jamaica, was the leader of the opposition in the Jamaica Labour Party. Um, and Williams, of course, said, you know, it's only normal what you expect from Adams. <laughs> <laughs> and everything came to a head. Federation had started in early 58, as I said, but everything came to a head in 1961. When um, the, there was the conference in London in May, June of 61, at which it was expected that a date for independence would be agreed upon. No date was agreed upon, although a date was was named, but this was subject then to the decisions of the unit territories of the Caribbean. And that date was the 31st of May, 1962, for independence. 
But Manley, who was having problems with Bustamante, of course, um, who, who was opposed to the Federation, and Bustamante, of course, naturally wanted to be head of government. Um, <clears throat> obliged Manley, well, you uh, say obliged, maybe I shouldn't say that, but Manley felt that he would settle this matter once and for all by having a referendum in Jamaica. To ask one simple question, should Jamaica be part of the Federation or not? And that referendum was held in uh, September of 1961, and unfortunately, Manley lost. Therefore, that led to the famous phrase, there were 10 units of the Federation, if you recall, and that led to the famous phrase from William, one from 10 leaves nothing. <laughs> End of federation. A new map. <laughs> that, that's right. New map. <laughs> that was the end of federation. Jamaica said, well, we are proceeding to independence. Trinidad and Tobago said, we too. Yes. And both became independent in August of 1962. That's Jamaica a good marker point. Hmm? That's Sorry? a good marker point just to, to yeah. remind people and to anybody who's just joined us. This is Caribbean Bridges. I'm Julian Rogers. I'm in Kingston, Jamaica. And my conversation is with Reginald Dumas. His friends call him Reggie. I'm allowed to call him Reggie, I understand. We're talking about the days of the Federation because I've always felt that people who never experienced that uh, should hear from someone or people who've been of that period because a lot of the issues that we deal with now in the operation of CARICOM and CARICOM and the Caribbean single market and the economy and everything else really takes us back to that time when, as I always say, we were one until the new math came into force, which Reggie just talked about. So we have a referendum in Jamaica. Jamaica comes out of the Federation. Trinidad goes to independence. And Reggie, where do you go? The Federation, as I said, ended on the 31st of May 62 which was the day that it was hoped it would be independent. And I joined the Trinidad and Tobago government on the 1st of June, the following day. What had happened was that a number of people from throughout the Federation, in preparation for the independence that uh, one thought was coming in 62, had been chosen to go for training to be the nucleus of the new foreign service of the West Indies Federation. Mm -hmm. I think there were 15 of us uh, chosen, uh, mostly from Jamaica, again, from Jamaica, Barbados, Trinidad, Tobago. Um, well, Diana wasn't in it, and uh, a few people from uh, the Eastern Caribbean. Um, <clears throat> and we spent a year, uh, an academic year, first uh, abroad in different places. I myself went to Geneva. To the what was then called the SGD University, I better not say it in French, but in the English translation is the Graduate Institute of, of International Studies, mm -hmm. uh, followed by an attachment to a British embassy or consulate. Uh, my attachment was to the British embassy in Rome, so I spent three months in Rome, part of which, uh, well, part of that time, part of the three months, was spent in Naples. I'm attached to the Consulate General in Naples because, you know, Consulates General and, and, and embassies uh, um, generally have different functions. 
Yeah. Um, and it was in Rome when I was doing my attachment that I opened uh, Le Monde, the French paper, one day and saw that the referendum had been held and that Manley had lost. So I here in Rome saying, well, look at that. <laughs> look where I am, far from home, and now it seems I have no job. <laughs> but I finished my attachment, went back. But the Trinidad and Tobago government said, well, those people from Trinidad and Tobago who had received training, this diplomatic training, would be welcome into the nucleus to form the nucleus of the Trinidad and Tobago Foreign Service. And it was uh, five of us, and uh, we went into the Trinidad and Tobago government. Who were those five, Reggie, as a matter of interest? Beside myself, um, there was Dennis Solomon, who didn't uh, stay long. He did. Uh, he was posted to, um, to uh, Washington, like me, right after independence. But he was more interested in, a, in an academic career, so he left and he went and did a doctorate. Um, at Columbia University, he was a linguist, a very good linguist, actually. Um, there was um, Frank Abdullah, who is still alive, mm -hmm. um, who became an ambassador. And there was Yusuf Senore, also still alive, mm -hmm. um, who also became uh, a head of mission. There was Wilfred Naimul, um, who um, <clears throat> also became an ambassador. He seems, unfortunately, dead now. Uh, and um, that'd be somebody else that I got as well at this moment. Mm -hmm. But um, I think all of us became ambassadors at, at, at a certain point. Mm -hmm. And um, here we are. Well, Naimul is not with us. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So you come back, you're in the foreign service of, uh, of Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, and Trinidad... I know when we had this conversation earlier, I say you stole the anthem of the Federation and made it your own. <laughs> I don't know why you say we stole. Williams, um, who, who had a keen eye for words, um, and a keen ear for words, um, decided that um, the. <laughs> I take it back. You saw the opportunity. William saw the opportunity. William um, saw the opportunity. I mean, yes. when you say side by side, we stand islands of the blue Caribbean Sea. These two <laughs> islands, Trinidad and Tobago, right? No, we side by side. <laughs> no, mine is two. <laughs> two or more. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> it is a most beautiful anthem, Reggie. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I know we have to give credit to somebody else that I knew very well, a Pakistani who Pakistani. I always I always tell this story that when he ran an advertising agency in Barbados and he would call you to record a commercial, he always walked with a check. As soon as you're finished, he handed you the check. You didn't have to wait for payment from 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 Pakistani. Great gentleman, fantastic family. And I really had the joy of, at some point, coming back to Trinidad uh, while working in Trinidad and, and going up to, to Goodwood Park to his home before, of course, he, he yes. subsequently died. But he's a special person, too. Yes, yes, so yes. Talk about the anthem now, Reggie. Well, 
you say William stole it. I mean, he, he <laughs> uses creative ability to see how the answer written for the Federation could be applied wholesale to Trinidad and Tobago. <laughs> I mean, Jamaica, Jamaica is one island, <laughs> Trinidad and Tobago too. <laughs> So side by side, I mean, side by side, jokes and yeah. cake. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, yeah. uh, while we're talking, the, the, the other person from the from uh, the federal government, Trump, who came with Trinidad Tobago, who joined afterwards, uh, he's also died. That was Solomon Lutchman. Okay. Yeah. So. Trinidad independence. I mean, what was the what what would you say then were the I don't know the remnants of the Federation? You had Federal House, you had Federation Park, you had all kinds of things that were all Federation branded. Still have Federation Park. It's still called Federation Park. It's still you still have streets and avenues named after um, various um, units of the Federation. You still have Barbados Road. Um, Atito Drive and so on and so on and so on. <laughs> Still there. Um, and all those houses which were built and very strongly built, if I may say so, um, for the federal employees, people who are coming in, senior employees from outside. Um, they're all still there. I have lived myself in a, a couple of them over the years, coming back from overseas ports and, you know, being holding on in the Trinidad Tobago, I mean, put in, in one of these houses. Um, they're not perhaps um, the most airy in the world in, in the sense of um, they don't have the new construction materials um, and, and, and techniques that mm -hmm. uh, one would have today. But they're very, very, very strong houses and um, they're still there. In fact, I think one I used to live in is now for sale. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I, I'm not going to see if I can make an offer. There you go. That will be a, a memory of a memory of the Federation. That's right. What about what about where your offices were in terms of federal house and so on? My office, uh, well, I, yes, the office was in federal house. It was then called. It then was the, the, when Federation broke up. It became uh, Trinidad House. Um, <clears throat> Tobago was sort of put aside, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, we were there. That's also a very strongly built uh, building. Uh, and that's where we were. The air conditioning, I heard you talking about air conditioning earlier, didn't always work. And the building wasn't built to include um, air conditioning ducts and that kind of thing. So of course you had these huge ducts which were protruding from the ceiling. Um, and uh, air conditioning that didn't always cool the place. But um, generally it worked, and um, you know we 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 I think that the people in the federal government, the the, the, the civil servants, the public servants are there, um, generally work well together. A lot of them who came from the other islands uh, remained in Trinidad and Tobago. They didn't go back home, um, <clears throat> and. I uh, got jobs in, in different places. Uh, Raymond Griffiths, I remember, from Grenada. Um, Ken Oje um, from St. Lucia, and so on and so on. They didn't go back. And um, 
No, we remained friends. It wasn't their fault that the Federation broke up. It was the collapse at the political level um, that, that uh, caused that. And you just have to deal with that. Some of them went back, of course. Mm -hmm. um, some of them went off and, and did law and this kind of thing. Came well in the attorneys um, in their various islands. But um, by and large, I think we worked well together. I think we got along well together. There were a lot of marriages with uh, people from Trinidad and Tobago. And um, I myself, when I got the, the only marriage I've ever been through in my life, which ended a long time ago, admittedly, but still, I mean, it's the only one, um, was to um, a, 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 a woman from Grenada. I got married in Grenada, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I was church in Grenada. <laughs> Reggie, which, bring, which brings me to the, to, to the discussion about the other efforts after Jamaica became independent, Trinidad became independent. What happened to the other eight countries? Well, um, the, there was a, the, what they would call a little eight. And um, Arthur Lewis, uh, then alive, um, fantastic man, he um, felt, and others felt as well, not he was not alone, but he was commissioned to try to do something about it. That you could have, even if Jamaica went out of the Federation, you could have this eight, is it eight, plus Trinidad and Tobago, so you have nine. Um, a, a new Federation. But Williams did not want that. Uh, he had said one from ten is not. As far as he was concerned, he was not. Uh, he put through um, a, a, a resolution, a part resolution, the PNM, in uh, January of 1962, uh, just a few months um, after all these, these happenings in 61, um, saying that um, anyone, any of the others could join the, the, the state of Trinidad and Tobago on terms and conditions that were quite clear would have to be set by Trinidad and Tobago. Not everyone wanted that kind of thing. Um, I think that Grenada actually considered this uh, for quite a while. And in fact, I think more than considered, I think well, well, Grenada even indicated that it would be perfectly prepared. But remember, that I, as I said earlier, there was this long linkage between Grenada and Trinidad going back to the 18th century, towards the end of the 18th century. 1783, to be, to be precise. Um, and they would indicate that they would be prepared to enter on these terms, which I think um, terrified Williams, because he wasn't expecting that. <laughs> he, he said, no, 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 it's all right. I mean, uh, um, you, you carry on. Uh, you, you, you do what you have to do. And at a certain point, uh, they, there were a number of illegal Grenadians in Trinidad, and Williams ordered that they be rounded up and sent back to Grenada. Mm -hmm. There was there's a calypso made on, on the subject about um, yes. uh, it, they would, the police would see someone looking at Grenadian and ask him to say box, right. and he said backs. <laughs> <laughs> it was licks in the police van. Yes. 
and how they, how, how Grenadians send them, send them in a line to sleep. Yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, that didn't improve Trinidad and Tobago's image <laughs> in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Grenadian community or um, uh, more broadly uh, within the Eastern Caribbean. So um, it didn't work, and Trinidad and Tobago proceeded to independence on its own on the 31st of August, 1962. So that then left the Little Eight. Yes. And that left the Little Eight, and it was for them now to sort themselves out. Well, you see what has happened. Um, they've all become independent on their own. Um, with Grenada or St. Lucia or Dominica or St. Kitts and Nevis or, or whoever, um, they're all independent, separate independent states, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, and so on. Whether, but, a number, but a number of things happened there, though, as, as I remember it, Reggie. I, there was a point at which there was Barbados and the rest of the Eastern Caribbean in that grouping in a, in a large-ditch effort. To hold it together. Yes, there was a there was a, a loose grouping there with Barbados and Eastern Caribbean, but that too um, sort of dissolved, so to speak. Um, <clears throat> Barbados proceeded to independence on her own in uh, '66. Yeah. Um, and um, Guyana, well, Guyana was never part of British Guyana, was not part of the Federation. Uh, although there were people from British Guyana who were working in the Federation. Mm. Like Sonny Ramphal, for instance, yeah. um, who went on to be become Commonwealth Secretary General. Yeah. Uh, he was the Attorney General of the of the Federation. Um, so, yes, you you had these these, these attempts at, at at union of a kind, but they did not come to fruition, and uh, people proceeded. As I said, to independence on their own. Reggie, just 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 spend a little time giving us some of the atmosphere of the time uh, when the Federation really operated, and uh, I want I want you particularly to talk about the ministers and their portfolios as you remember them, because let's take for instance the Ministry of Finance that was under. I think it's Bradshaw. Nevis Bradshaw. Anguilla Bradshaw. Bradshaw. Huh? Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm, that, that caused, that I, caused. I, I apologize to my petition friends. It's Bradshaw. <laughs> Robert. <laughs> Robert Llewellyn Bradshaw. Robert Llewellyn Bradshaw. Yeah. Uh, yes, he was not uh, the greatest favorite in Nevis, um, uh, but there we are. Um, as I discovered years later, when I was on a, um, a constitutional commission in St. Kitts Nevis, uh, chaired by the late Sir Fred Phillips, uh, whom you know, whom you knew, yes, um, and um, it, it, we, we we had to go to Nevis, and there were very difficult meeting uh, meetings in in Nevis. And one lady I remember very distinctly, uh, a lady of a certain age, um, saying, uh, "You all come here to 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 to." We remember Bradshaw, you know. And I said, well, no, we're not here to represent Mr. Bradshaw. We're long dead. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
but perhaps you could listen to us before. And I have to say, I remember this lady very clearly. Uh, we had a, 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 the last evening we were there last night, we had a big meeting, big public meeting, um, which went quite well, actually, in, in, in Nevis. And she was there, and um, she now seemed almost mellow. <laughs> um, that we were not trying to force send kids down the throat of Nevis. But yes, Bradshaw, uh, to come back, was the Minister of Finance. And um, well, he did something at the end which, um, he wasn't a bad minister, let me, let me hasten to say. The Federation didn't have a great deal of money. But he did do something which um, caused some difficulty within the Federal establishment. As Minister of Finance, uh, you know, he had the right, apparently, to allocate various sums for development, development aid that came from, from Britain to the various units of the Federation. And he decided that um, over the years, Jamaica and Trinidad, Tobago and Barbados have been getting too much. So unilaterally, he sliced the allocations for these places and considerably increased the allocations for the smaller items. Now, Mr. Manley was, shall we say, somewhat less than pleased <laughs> by, this, uh, by this action, which did not, of course, endear itself to the other units that had uh, suffered, to Barbados and Trinidad and Tobago. And then at the end, he did something which was really quite reprehensible, I have to say. I mean, I can understand his cutting uh, the allocation for the for the better of uh, islands in order to, to help the, the ones that are not so well off. But what he did at the end, I think, was unforgivable. Uh, the Federation was folding up, as I say, in, in 62, in the first part of 62, and Bradshaw suddenly decided on his own. He, as far as I know, did not consult with the cabinet, the federal cabinet. He certainly did not consult with the federal prime minister, Grantley Adams. On his own, decided that every departing minister, each departing minister, would receive one year's salary from federal funds, plus books. And each departing MP, not minister, would receive three months salary plus books. Well, there was a huge fury, as you can understand, um, because this looked quite simply like looting the federal treasury or what was left of it. And the British government uh, got very quickly involved because we were still British, remember, no one was independent yet, and put a stop to it and said, no, no, no. So, that only uh, made William say all the more, you see, you see why it is we have to come out of the Federation, look at the kind of person you have um, running the show. Um, and uh, so William felt vindicated uh, by um, the action of the British in putting an end to it. And uh, the, among people generally who were, and people in Trinidad and Tobago were on the whole very supportive of the Federation. There was, um, I have to say, I don't want to 
get too much into this, but the question of race always rears its head when one is talking about Trinidad and Tobago and Diana. One can understand why. Even at the moment, in Trinidad and Tobago, you have this thing with over vaccine and Mia Motley, and Prime Minister of Barbados, having approached India for vaccines and having got... Uh, and why didn't the government of Trinidad and Tobago also approach is it because it was India um, and so on and so on. And so it is, it, all the, the racial dog whistles um, uh, immediately are heard. Um, but what you had there was uh, a, a number of people of Indian origin in Trinidad and Tobago who were never too, too comfortable with the Federation because they felt that this meant bringing in a number of people of non-Indian origin, specifically of African origin, from other islands of the Caribbean, other units of the Federation, and that they would be heavily outnumbered. Um, and so you had one MP, fellow called Mathura, in the Legislative Council, because we didn't have a parliament yet, we weren't uh, independent. In the Legislative Council in Trinidad, in Tobago, um, actually proposing that um, uh, an approach be made to places like Australia, New Zealand, and so on, to take West Indians, meaning quite clearly black West Indians, <laughs> who couldn't live in uh, their islands because the islands were too poor. Now, that didn't, of course, go anywhere, naturally. But um, you had that kind of thing. So there were there were racial sentiments as well as to um, where was our place in this federation because of our race. Um, unfortunate, but um, I suppose if I were of Indian origin, I might have thought along the same lines. I don't know. Um, and there was that famous, some call it infamous, um, speech given by Williams in Woodford Square, uh, also in 61, in which he talked about um, a minority. Now, he, 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 what had happened was a letter had been circulated, an anonymous letter, coming from someone called Indian. That was the, the name of the person, the, the name of the, the, the author, Gil, yeah. um, <clears throat> talking about, you know, the position of people of Indian origin and so on in, in Trinidad and Tobago. And, and Williams took great offense, great exception to this, and let fly at this meeting that he had in Woodford Square in Port of Spain. Um, Coming, and this speech was coming just after the federal elections, in which a number of people who were political opponents of Williams won seats to the federal parliament. Mm -hmm. So Williams was not in the best possible mood. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it wasn't the, the PNM or the, the parties affiliated with the PNM. Uh, Western Federal Labour Party, it was uh, the, the Democratic Labour Party, etc. So he was not in the best possible mood. And he let fly and referred to 
a recalcitrant minority, quote-unquote. That was the phrase you That's I, where that came from. You got it. You're good. Um, which was taken to mean people of Indian origin in Trinidad and Tobago, generally. Williams um, <clears throat> sought to explain subsequently that he did not mean that, but what he meant was that um, it was a group, a small group of people of Indian origin. He wasn't referring to the entirety of the Indian origin population in Trinidad and Tobago, but just a small group that um, were racist in, 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 in outlook and that were determined simply to push a racist and a racial head. Um, up to today, um, people of Indian origin still refer to this question of the recalcitrant minority. Um, and point fingers at Williams and say, this is what he meant. And that, of course, spread to the PNM. It wasn't only Williams, it was that the PNM was a racist party. And the PNM, the People's National Movement, which is still in office, or in office again, um, uh, in Trinidad and Tobago, really opposed India. And it comes back to something I said earlier about the vaccine, and um, with uh, Prime Minister Motley writing um, um, Prime Minister Modi in India, and what is being said now, today, in Trinidad and Tobago, is that <clears throat> the PNM did not write, the PNM administration government here under uh, Peace Rowley, did not write to Modi because of race. Mm -hmm. Very difficult to... Uh, and that... And, there, and therefore, and therefore, Kamala Prasad Bissessa felt yes. it was her time to make that to make that outreach. She could write. She could write. Now, I was highly offended um, by this um, because I think this is a breach of, uh, of diplomatic uh, and, and political protocol. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you don't have. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the leader of the British Labour Party, Sir Keir Starmer? writing the president of the united states or the president of france to complain about boris johnson <laughs> i mean it, it, you know. he, he would be described as being fast out of the place right, right exactly <laughs> but here is what uh, mrs Pasad besessa did and i have to tell you that uh, tell your listeners uh, that when i saw it a couple of days ago and i uh, because this was this earlier this week I got so annoyed, I called a senior member of her party of the United Nations Congress, UNC, and said to him, would you please convey a message to your leader from me, telling her about my dismay and deep annoyance at her action. Because you just don't do that. This is not a question. If you have a problem with Rowdy, have a problem with Rowdy by all means. I, I can't I live in, in, in democratic societies. Um, yeah. Governments and oppositions have problems with each other all the time. That is normal. I mean, it, uh, it's, it tends to be a very confrontational. But you keep that within Trinidad and Tobago. You don't invite foreign uh, leaders, heads of government or heads of state or whoever, or ambassadors of. Of, of, the, of these people to insert themselves into the domestic affairs of Trinidad and Tobago. 
Now, whether you really? can be the leader or not, I don't know. But I ask him. You know, Reggie, it brings me to a point, though, where I have to spend the remaining minutes asking you to compare the issues of the Federation time with the issues of today and our efforts at holding this Caribbean together as one. <laughs> it's very difficult. Julian, the greatest barrier we have in the Caribbean or the West Indies, whatever you want to call it, is the sea. You can't drive even from Trinidad to Tobago. <laughs> <laughs> Not, not for lack of trying. <laughs> you, not for lack of trying. You can try if you like. <laughs> um, in the European Union, for instance, you can drive from one country to the next. Yeah. You go through maybe some border checks and so on, but you can drive. You can go um, take a, a go to Frankfurt to, to drive from France to Germany or wherever it is, and then and, and to Italy, etc. You can take a driving tour all, all throughout. You can't drive, and that is another, um, to, 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 to hopefully to strengthen my point. You cannot drive from Britain to France. And Britain now has left the European Union, as you see. Um, Britain has always felt, or at least a lot of people in Britain, have always felt uncomfortable with those people. Um, when I was at university, and uh, they used to call them wogs, the wogs begin at Calais. <laughs> um, wog is just a, a, a name for um, westernized oriental gentleman. Is a wog, and really started in British India, you know, because you had a lot of Anglicized Indians um, who would go to uh, take the, the boat to, to England for. for a vacation and so on. And these were laughed at by the by the British. And they were they were westernized oriental gentlemen. Um, or wogs. <laughs> and this spread so that the French became wogs <laughs> for the British. The greatest barrier is the sea. Um, we think in small terms all the time in the Caribbean. We don't think in terms of, well, how will this benefit the region? Uh, yes, a lot of us may be married or may have been married to people from other islands and people other than, from Guyana, Northern Ireland. But we don't think in the larger regional terms. We think in terms that are very insular. How is it going to affect me here? And this I don't know how we can get over it because you can't do anything about the sea. Mm. Um, education uh, would be a certain uh, way of, of, of trying to deal with that, true. And our education systems are, if I may say so, considerably deficient in this region. Um, we like to think in terms of passing exams. And that is fine to pass exams. But um, how do you see yourself in the world? Pass your, your French or your maths exam or your algebra and so on, that, that, that's fine, or your science exam. But how do you see yourself in the world? And that is where we can learn from uh, some of the countries in Europe and um, elsewhere, and in Asia in particular, 
that see education in a different light, in a more holistic light, in a holistic light. Um, Finland in Europe or Singapore in in, in Asia, yeah. South Korea, Japan. These are countries we should be speaking to about our education system, but we are not. We're still stuck in some sort of 20th century mold that we, 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 we were put in by the British with our O levels and now it becomes CXC and C and, and CAPE and so on, etc. And it's all a question, SEA, and it's all a question of exams. So we have not made in the Caribbean, in this region, the kind of progress that we are capable of, that we are intellectually capable of, but of which um, so far we have, as far as I'm concerned, shown ourselves psychologically incapable, or at least in which we have shown ourselves psychologically deficient. We can overcome this deficiency. We can overcome this by looking at things differently. I remember speaking many, many years ago, this is CARICOM, you know, move from, move from Federation to CARICOM to, to in, in the context of your question. Speaking to a head of government, uh, uh, CARICOM head of government, a prime minister. And he had just, not too long before, come back from a CARICOM meeting where decisions were taken on a certain thing and he had voted for this particular thing. He goes back home and he does exactly the opposite. I saw him shortly thereafter and I said, but I don't understand. You supported this particular measure just a few weeks ago. How can you go back home now and pretend that you never gave any support, you did nothing about it? To which he said, I did that to show solidarity with the others. I mean, I had no intention of doing anything about it. Now, this is a CARICOM prime minister speaking to me. <laughs> a prime minister. What does one do? Reggie, <laughs> we could go on because we could, we, we could take that and we could go on for the next hour hmm. talking about similar situations, etc. Yeah. But I am telling you that I am very grateful to you. And I'm sure many people who are listening and, and hearing you speak about the Federation, very grateful for you to tell some of the story of the Federation. And most importantly, to give us a sense of how it compares with our current struggle being one. Thank you, Reginald Dumas. Keep good and healthy. And most importantly, safe in my beloved Tobago. Thank you very much, Julian. A pleasure on my part, certainly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much.